welcome back. I am uh, I'm thrilled to have uh, my good friend Brian Proctor uh, on with us today. Brian is the president and CEO of uh, Menti Group down in Frisco, Texas, and he's the uh, the CEO of Four Corners Aviation, also, which we'll uh, we'll talk about. And uh, Brian's a, a long term industry veteran. Um, he runs a great business down there. He's a, a, a very well known expert. Happy to have you on. Thanks for coming, Brian. Well, Craig, thanks for having me. It's always good to uh, spend a little time with you. Let's talk a little bit about Menti Group. You guys are, uh, yeah, you're you're growing. You're growing quickly. Yeah, Menti's doing great. Um, we had a really good year in 2022. Uh, our transaction volume was up about 27. percent So, you know, net net, um, it, it was positive. Uh, you know, our business is growing, expanding. We've got you know, people now all, all across the country and. Yeah, our goal is to try to deliver uh, great products and services to our clients every time we can. So, yeah, but you're not necessarily just a transaction firm. You're an advisory firm. I mean, you've got people on your staff. You're buying, selling, acquiring aircraft. You're you're helping with you know, maintenance. Um, is that what the customers is, is the customer expecting more? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of our taglines is get more. And really, that's what we try to do. You know, as the business has grown and expanded, we started with really strategic consulting and transactions, and we've we've added a couple of different areas. So now we're doing the strategic consulting, which is fleet planning and feasibility studies. We do transactions of uh, new aircraft and pre-owned aircraft. Um, we also now have an operational consulting practice where we do best practice audits, uh, ISBEO certification, flight department startup. Um, we do a lot of completion monitoring work. That business has really expanded quite a bit in the last uh, 12 months. And then about five years ago, we started an appraisal business. And last year, we did a little over 600 appraisals, close to $10 billion in total appraised value. So when you look across the business, we're touching a lot of different parts of the industry. And what we found is that you know, our clients have sort of vectored in uh, to where we are product offering, meaning that when we first started the business, um, people hired us primarily for our transactional expertise. And what we're seeing now is that our clients want a good blend of all the different services we provide. And so it's not uncommon on any given project that we do that we have people from every one of our uh, verticals working uh, with our clients to help them make good decisions. Who's your typical client? Is it somebody who is, you know, is it... You know, Fortune 500. Is it somebody who owns one aircraft? Is it somebody looking new? You know, somebody new to the industry who's thinking about buying a jet? Yeah, it's really all of the above. I mean, our clients can range from you know companies that are you know the largest companies in the world, Fortune 10, Fortune 20 companies. I think we work right now with about 35 percent of the Fortune 500. I'm sorry, the Fortune 100. Um, we also work with ultra high net worth individuals and. Yeah, we are. We've got one client that's an insurance sales guy here in town in Dallas, and uh, he has a small fractional share. So it, it really ranges from first-time entrance into the market into the most sophisticated companies on the planet. How did you? Uh, how did Menti get started? What made you decide to, you know, mold Menti? Yeah, I was with another firm in 2009, and with the pressures that were happening due to the uh, recession that we were in. Um, I, I decided to leave that company and start Mente. And you know, really, you know, when you think about July 1st of 2009, probably not the best time on the planet 
to start an aviation advisory firm. Um, but interestingly, that year, you know, we did 12 transactions within six months and got off to a very, very fast pace. And, um, and since then, we've been able to grow uh, significantly. I think we're now over five and a half billion in total transaction volume. Wow. Five and a half billion. Amazing. You know, it's interesting. You say about 2009 is probably not the best time to to start. You know, in a lot of ways, you know, it may be the best time to start. There was a lot of ambiguity in the industry. A lot of people wanted some handholding. You had people out there looking for deals. A lot of people looking to unwind deals. You know, talk about starting in a down market, how that felt to you. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, we... We, we actually bartered for office space and I put all of the data subscriptions that we needed and I put our um, server and all that stuff on my credit card and literally started the business with $100. And you know, we, we had to be scrappy from the start. And so we kind of developed an environment around here where we're you know, fiercely loyal to our clients, but we're exceptionally scrappy in the marketplace. And, and then separately, you know, because we were undercapitalized from the get-go, we had to create a lot of discipline and that discipline has actually served us well. Um, you know, it's funny because I look back a few months ago, in our first 12 months of operations, we spent $678 total on um, on real estate, meaning our offices, and, and really that was cabling to move to, to tie the offices together. I think our la- our plant budget last year was more than $678. So it's changed quite a bit um, over the past 12 or 13 years. I would say so. You know, it, it, it's, it's funny, you know, and I, I talked about, I talked about this. I was, I was out meeting with an equity guy last week and we were talking about, you know, people in industry who understand that entrepreneurship is, is bootstrapping. You know, it makes me, it makes me incredibly angry to understand that Google laid off 27 full-time massage therapists as part of their their big layoff. And you think about how fat the company must have gotten. If they had 27 full-time massage therapists, how much other fat needed to be cut out, which could have actually saved some jobs? Yeah, it's it's really sad. I mean, when we look at it, you know, um, we, we look at it not only on the number of employees that we have, but also the number of family members. And when you begin to put the you know, personnel decisions in light of that statistic, then it really sort of changes the way that you think about how you grow your business. And so um, it's a, it, it, if you, I, I didn't hear the stat on 27 massage therapists, that's, um, it, 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 it's frankly, you know, sad to hear that that's kind of what was going on inside the organization. But but it makes you feel good about starting with a hundred bucks in a borrowed office, you know. And uh, what are so five and a half billion dollars of transaction services? What are people coming to you for first? Or yeah, obviously you've you've built your cod you've built your cadre of clients. What 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 are people looking for now? Yeah, you know it's interesting. Over time, historically, we're almost exactly even fifty fifty on buy side engagements and sell side engagements, and. Um, you know, last year we were we were right in those numbers, and and what's interesting on the buy side because we do a lot of work there, probably more than really sort of anybody else except for one or two firms maybe, um, is, is that we tend to migrate to where value goes in the marketplace, and so in 2020 and 21 we were buying a lot of pre-owned airplanes. Uh, last year our new image or new 
acquisitions actually increased to almost 50% of our total acquisition volume. And I think, um, you know, talking to a couple of the OEMs, we were the largest buyers of those products in the marketplace last year, other than some of the big, big, you know, fractional firms. So I take, I, I take it you're getting some respect inside the OEMs now. Um, we, we, well, hopefully, um, you know, we try to have a pretty common sense approach to the acquisition process. And, um, we, one of our focuses around here is, is to try to make it as simple as possible and, and, you know, not waste a lot of time doing things that really don't create a lot of value for the clients. And so we were able to, you know, work with the OEMs and get to, you know, uh, pricing and solutions and deal structuring very, very quickly. And it's usually, you know, three or four phone calls and we're, we get there pretty fast. And so I think that the OEMs appreciate it. I know that the clients do and, and we do as well. Are you using the same aviation attorneys also who are able to structure contracts and take the ambiguity out of that and, yeah. and move it along? Yeah, we, we, we are not in the practice of law. So um, most of the time our clients have aviation counsel when they come to us. If they don't, we, we highly recommend it. And we have a list of 15 or so, maybe 20 uh, aviation firms around, aviation law firms around the U.S. that we recommend and we work with frequently. And what we found is that even though it does add um, instrument of cost to the client, it, it really saves a lot of time and creates a much better product in the end for them. And so, you know, we haven't done this yet, but we, we often laugh and talk about it. If our client doesn't have aviation counsel, we should charge more <laughs> because it just creates a lot more work. You know, and if, if the client's using in-house counsel, especially in the case of corporations, you know, a lot of times these guys have specializations, not in aviation. And so you almost have to untrain some habits to retrain them into the aviation space. Yeah, it used to drive me nuts because you know the same deal. You know, ten different attorneys. You know, one one person would you know make a couple changes, and the other person would be charging fifty or sixty thousand dollars to their client with with no real value. It's it's tough trans. I mean, it's a difficult transaction. I don't think people really understand you know how how complex it is to go and buy and sell an airplane. Yeah, no, it it, it it's very complex, and I think the industry is is sort of evolved into that and. Um, you know, I have found that attorneys, good, good attorneys, are worth their weight in gold when it comes to an aviation transaction. So let's let's change gears a little bit. Um, how are you guys finding the industry changing? Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I think that I I have never I've been in the industry for twenty three years, and in that time, I've never seen more. Uh, a more dynamic industry than what we have right now. And when you think about it, I think that there are kind of at least five or six things going on simultaneously. And, you know, I think that that's really beginning to make an impact into what we're all seeing. Um, you know, if you, if you kind of think about it, sort of step back at the beginning of COVID or maybe uh, three or four months into COVID, uh, July of 2020, we began to see a significant number of new entrants into the marketplace all the way through, you know, first-time buyers. That year, I think we had three customers who were first-time buyers that bought G650 or larger. First airplanes at G650. If you can jump in the pond, if you're going to jump in the pond, I guess that's a good place to go, right? 
jump in exactly. And so, you know, with all the market entrance, I think that what we've seen, especially in the charter and card and fractional space, and it, again, but at this sort of it permeates the entire industry, is that with the number of entrants that have come in, the market is really stretched um, quite a bit in order to absorb the demand that's been in the system. And really what we're seeing is that, you know, if you think about all the different providers that are out there and the different levels that we can um, business aviation today, you know, there have just been you know, thousands of new entrants into the marketplace. And really, if you think about the, the, the industry, to me, it feels a little bit like a rubber band that's been stretched pretty, pretty far out. Now, it's relaxed a little bit in the last couple of months, but it's still stretched pretty taut. And with that, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, in certain areas, an erosion, really, of uh, the service model. And, um, you know, things that we would never have expected 10 years ago are starting to happen more routinely now. And, and, and unfortunately, I think that there's, there's just a, there's been an impact across the board in terms of, of what we're being able to do as, a, as an industry. Um, I think that the industry is recovering a little bit, but when you take that, uh, the number of entrants, and then you, you know, look at what's going on with the supply chain and, and how um, the suppliers and the subsuppliers to the OEMs and the MROs have been stretched, you know, you, we, we're really looking at an environment now. Not only do we have more entrants, but the cost of operations are dramatically increasing. And we, we're in a fairly massive inflationary environment. And we're seeing that in, in several different areas. Um, we're seeing it in personnel. I mean, obviously, you see this year, what do um, with pilots and mechanics and flight attendants. And, and you know, it's not uncommon to do a, a, a salary survey or a retention study for a client right now on the Mente side and recommend a 20 or 30 percent salary increase across the board given, you know, just it depends on the flight department, where they're based and what type of equipment they fly and what they're being paid now. But, you know, we've seen that with a couple of clients in the last two years. And so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's definitely an environment right now where um, inflation is present. And, you know, I think we're all seeing. Yeah, no, look, uh, you know, the inflationary environment starts with pilots. That's the one that everybody sees right off the bat. So if you think Mesa Airlines is 40 airplanes that are parked because they don't have pilots for them, Republic Airlines has about another 20 or 30 that are parked. These are regional jets that don't have pilots, so they're just parked somewhere. Um, that that tells you the magnitude of the you know, of that industry. You know, CPI adjustments. You know, you buy a you buy an aircraft now with you know, look at the Falcon 10, for instance, the 10X coming out. You put a contract on it with a CPI adjuster. Well, when inflation, when the CPI is running at six or 7%, that could add another 10, 11, $12 million to the airplane by the time that thing is delivered. How much does that, that impact delivery? So it's, it's an interesting time at the moment. Yeah, no, I and mean, if you think about the personnel issue and the shortage, I mean, the MROs are suffering because talent is being pulled away from the, the MRO facilities. Um, parts are becoming more expensive. Yeah, if you shift gears a little bit, insurance is in some cases doubled. Um, I was just talking to an operator on Friday, Friday, and they've got um, it's complex operation, but they're they're paying close to a million dollars a year in insurance for for their operation, which is staggering. You know, and then you know, if you think about hangar costs, 
And I was talking to someone recently in White Plains, and the last couple of years, hangar prices up there have almost doubled. What, at what point do people say, start to say no? Pick a you know, pick a big cabin operator. Who, you know, a lot of times people say, well, if you can afford you know, $60 million for the jet, you, you know, what do you care about the other stuff? But eventually they start to say, you know, get tired of paying the bills. No, you're exactly right. And I, and I think um, I think that we're on the edge of beginning to start to see that. Um, you know, and especially if we go into um, an economic environment where we may have some disruption. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about um, you know, some of the layoffs that are going on in the IT space. You know, if, if that begins to spill over into other areas of the economy, you know, rightfully so, aviation is going to be looked at uh, much more, uh, with a lot more focus with executives and, and owners. And you know, frankly, a lot of the people who rushed into the market back in 2020 and 2021, you know, they're looking at it and, um, and they're trying to decide if it's really worth it. Um, one of those 650 buyers that I was mentioning earlier, they're considering actually selling the airplane and getting out. Not because that their their situation has changed, but their demand isn't where they thought it was going to be, and the cost per hour when you factor in the capital and the fixed component is is close to almost in their case thirty thousand hours, and that that's that's a lot of money to to have your own private airplane. Yeah. So, do they do they get out of the six hundred and fifty and they go to something smaller, or do they just get out altogether? Yeah. In this case, we're talking to them about, and we're running the models right now about getting out and moving into like a, a charter model uh, where they're just chartering for a couple of years until things sort of stabilize. Thanks, sir. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and that's and once again, the charter now the charter operators. That's another story because they've been seeing a lot of they've been seeing a lot of demand pressure as well. You know, can they keep up? And yeah, man, you know, which which presents you know safety issues and FAA issues and you know things of the sort. So the, it it seems to me the whole business aviation industry right now is still feeling a little stretched. Take a rubber band and pull it to about twelve inches apart, and then release it just a little bit. That's where we are right now. Yeah, that's kind of what. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm I'm seeing it too. Um, you think the OEMs are feeling pretty healthy? You know, pretty you pretty confident in their backlog. I think so. I mean, right now, um, other than just a handful of models, uh, the OEMs are out to first quarter 2025. Um, and so with an 18-month or 24-month backlog, yeah, that, that gives them a lot of flexibility. Um, I don't feel like that the OEMs feel like that they can right now increase production significantly because of the supply chain issues that we talked about earlier. I know that there are significant problems with all of the OEMs just trying to meet the current production levels. And so, um, you know, what we will see though is again back to this uh, economic question. And if we do see a ripple effect going through the economy, you know, aircraft salesmen at these OEMs will spend a lot of time keeping the order book together versus focusing on, on adding. I think they're going to maintain that, that discipline. You know, a lot of white tails, 2008, you know, memories are still long, 2008, nine and 10. With whitetail sitting on the on the ramp, I, I suspect that they'd rather just yeah you know, maintain the discipline versus ever seeing that debacle again. But to the OM's credit, I think that they showed a lot of um, discipline to your word um, over the last two years, and and really sort of maintaining uh, pricing parity. We've seen a reasonable uptick in pricing 
but we haven't seen it as dramatically as we've seen it in the premium market. I was looking uh, Friday for a client of ours at the Challenger 300 market, and um, you know they were they were hoping to buy something around the 2010, 11, 12 Challenger 300, and they were looking <laughs> pre-COVID, and, and the principal was really upset because he didn't buy something, and you know there was an airplane that we were looking at specifically, and you know the the purchase price has gone up almost seventy five percent since the beginning of COVID. Wow. Yeah. And you think about it, it's gone from, you know, in the eights to the um, 15, 14 something. Yeah. No, I believe it. Yeah. A good, good challenger. Yeah. A couple of years ago, good challenger 300 was eight to 12 million bucks. And today it's more closer to 15. And, you know, so the other thing that I think is going to, that we're going to continue to see in the industry is that, you know, I mean, when I first got in the industry 20 years ago, we would traditionally say that airplanes lost three to four percent of their value per year, and um, you know I think from 2010 through 2019, you could arguably say that aircraft lost somewhere between six and a half eight percent of their value per year. Yep. So we had shifted to an environment that was a much more aggressive depreciation cycle. You know, with with the recent increases, what we're seeing is that uh, aircraft price stability is much less, the aircraft are much less stable than we've ever thought. And so that stability in pricing, I think, is going to begin to impact not only owners and how they think about the assets and trading in and out, but also lenders and, and insurance companies and, you know, everything that touches the asset value of the airplane, I think will begin to rethink how they go about valuing airplanes. Yeah. Our appraisal business has been all over that. Our guys that you know, they've seen it, and you know we spend an inordinate amount of time. You know, we've got an entire team of people, and all they're focusing on air at that. And this is real, and is it going to hold up? And 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 you know, it's going back to the days when people are speculating on delivery positions, right? Um, hey, so let's uh, let's shift gears one more time. Four Corners Aviation is a product that you announced. About 18 months ago. And it's interesting. Talk about Four Corners a little bit. Yeah. So, well, thanks for bringing that up. Um, you know, Four Corners is um, a traditional management company. Um, we we do what most management companies do today. You know, we've got a, a third-party charter. We've got a charter card product. Um, we do Part 91 and 135 management. Today, we manage... Uh, about uh, 14, 15 airplanes, and you know, that's that's almost doubled since we started in the business. We we started in the business through acquiring a company up in the Northeast, and we've doubled our fleet in the last 18 months, which that's exciting. Um, you know, but I think the focus of what we're looking at now is is a new product that we rolled out about a year ago uh, called Freedom, and the idea behind Freedom is really to provide a fully outsourced aviation experience to clients. And so if you think about some of the things that we talked about earlier, uh, you know, with um, the erosion of the service models that we're seeing and, and um, supply chain issues and pricing stability, you know, what we're trying to do is solve for all of the above. And frankly, the idea um, resulted from a consulting project that I did at Mente several years ago. And at the end of the consulting project, 
the client looked at the deck that we had put together and you know they had a G5 and were thinking about upgrading. And you know, to quote the, the CEO of the company, he put his hands on the deck and looked out the window and paused for a second and said, Brian, I completely agree with everything that you've got in here and absolutely think that the right thing for our company right now is to upgrade from a G5 to a 550. So, but I've got a problem. And then he paused again and said, the last thing on the planet I want to buy right now is an aircraft. And um, you know, that sentence resonated with me. I couldn't shake it on a flight home from New York to Dallas. And really what he was saying is, you know, as an industry, you're selling a product that I don't want to buy. And we started then working on a business plan around trying to create a product that where people could have access to private aviation without necessarily buying an airplane. And so um, we're we're very, very close to having all of the details worked out in the program. And we've got a bunch of proposals out right now. And my guess is by the end of February, we'll have a couple of clients signed up and starting to, to move into the program. So it's, it's really an exciting time for us. So basically what you're saying is aircraft as a service type of, basically becomes an aircraft as a service type of model. Actually, uh, branded corporate jets as a service. That's the idea. And, you know, if, if you think about it, 15 years ago when you needed to update your Outlook and Word, you'd buy a disk from Microsoft, throw it in your laptop, and you'd install the software into your computer. And today you've got a $30 a month subscription. That's really where we want to go. And, um, you know, the idea behind the program is to really sort of provide to owners exactly what they want. You know, and as an industry right now, yeah, if you boil all the stuff that we all do down to two things, we we build and sell airplanes, and then we operate them. And everything that everybody does in the industry, everybody, is tied to building and selling airplanes or operating. And you know, as an industry, we build and sell airplanes that our clients really want what the plane delivers to them. And that's safe, reliable, simplified, and customized transportation. And that's what we're building for our clients. That's what that's what Freedom is all about. And you know, the name is I wish I thought of the name one of our markets out there, but you know, the name really does do what it says. It provides clients from the freedom for having to deal with all of the different things that are associated with owning an aircraft and they can focus on what they need to do, which is run their business or enjoy their family and their personal life. And then we can handle the airplane stuff. Let you guys run the airplane. What's the biggest so what do you what do you think the biggest threat to the industry? Is right now is it inflation? Is it the green initiatives? Um, economy? I think um, I think it's a little bit of you know it's interesting. You know, you mentioned the green initiatives. I think that sustainability is absolutely imperative for our industry, and it is it does pose a threat. But I think as an industry, we need to embrace it. And, and I know that the OEMs and um, some of the other players in the industry are working really hard to come up with sustainable fuels and carbon offsets and you know, we've even rolled out our own carbon offset program. Um, but as an industry, we need to really focus on sustainability. I, I don't think I don't perceive that as a threat as much as it is something that we need to be aware of and that needs to drive our evolution. Um, but you know, right now I believe that the the service models are being stretched so thin. And you know, that's driven by a lot of different things. It's pricing, it's it's uh it's the number of people in the industry. Um, but that 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 pull on the on the supply chain and the pull on the service models is really, I think, 
in the short term will be a threat. Um, you know, we have as an industry always provided a very safe product. Right. Historical numbers. Um, our safety um, numbers are equivalent to the mainline airlines. And so if you take a part 91 professionally flown airplane or 91K, the safety stats are almost identical to, to the airline. And you know, we can't allow what's going on in the industry now to begin to impact that. Get a reputation that we're unsafe, then I think that, that that will cause people to have second thoughts about entering into the product office. You know, it's it's funny too, um, you know, when we were doing the analysis on the business and um, trying to come up with a business model and a business plan that would work that we could that we could scale, we were we were talking about um, the complexity of owning an airplane. And really one of the tenets of our business is trying to provide a simple product offering. And we were again talking about the complexity and I paused our group session for about 15 minutes. I said, guys, I want let's let's stop. Let's spend 15 minutes and let's brainstorm how many tri- contracts you'd have to enter into in order to buy an aircraft, operate it for five years, and then sell it at the end of five years. And so I hit go. I got had a yellow pad out. I started writing as, as the guys were um, naming the different uh, contracts. And in 15 minutes, we came up with 56 different contracts. Gotcha. That's interesting. You bullish on the industry? Uh, yeah, I'm very bullish on the industry. I think that if you, you know, if you think about who our clients are, look, you know, our company now has grown. I think we're close to 80 employees, you know, 40 or 50 million dollars a year in revenue. Um, so small business relative to some of our clients, but you know, still sizable. And I know how hard it is to run a business of this size and scale. If I were trying to run a two or ten billion or forty billion dollar in, in business. I don't know how you would do it on the airline. And, and, you know, the one commodity that, that none of us can buy more of time. And that's the one commodity that our industry sells. And, and so we've got to figure out as a, as an industry, how to deliver, you know, that product set in a way that people really want to buy it. And we feel like right now with four corners, we're sort of positioning ourselves, um, right in the middle of that, of that decisioning. And that's what we're trying to do as part of growing the business. Yeah, I got you. No, I love it. Congratulations on all your success. It's been fun to watch. You built a good team. I have hair that look like yours, and now I don't. <laughs> yeah. My wife comments about mine getting a little bit grayer every year, too, so it's all good. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on. appreciate that. Congratulations on all success. Glad you took some time to come on and talk about this. Look forward to doing another one and watching uh, watching you guys uh, grow some more. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, and uh, enjoy our relationship and enjoy working with you with your services. You guys are the best. Hey, how do people find, uh, how do people find you and Menti group? Yeah. So we've got two websites. Um, Mente group is simple. It's, it's mentegroup.com and then four corners aviation is four corners aviation.com. Um, go right on the website. You'll see my ugly picture. and click on it. Very cool. Talk soon. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the aerospace executive podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.